0: anyway.
1: Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign here from the Athletics, joined by Allison Lucan. Say hello. Hello. And Tom Reed. Hello. We are at it here. It's Friday. Big night tonight. Uh, the Maple Leafs are in town. Always a big night when the Leafs come to town. I think they've brought a couple thousand of their fans too. They're milling about the Arena District. Uh, they're all over the North market. So thanks for helping the local economy. Uh should be a great game. Should be a, a just a great stretch of games here. Uh, Toronto here at home tonight at Pittsburgh tomorrow, which is always fun. And then Monday, uh, they play in Detroit for the second time this year. I think the last time they'll see the, the Detroit's this season. So uh, pretty fun three and four here if you're a Blue Jackets fan. Uh, So some news and notes, I think the last time we spoke to you, the Blue Jackets were sort of picking themselves uh, up a little bit after a difficult loss in Toronto. They played well, just had some uh, individual breakdowns, some blown assignments at crucial moments, and the Leafs skated away with a 4-2 victory. I think after trailing 2-0 in that game, Columbus was up 2-0 early and couldn't hold it. Um, So... What do we have here tonight? Well, the Blue Jackets are playing the exact same lineup tonight, which means that Bobrovsky's in net, and it also means that Oliver Bjorkstrand is a healthy scratch for the second game in a row. Now, it's a little surprising, I think, from the outside looking in that a 40-point player from a year ago, Bjorkstrand, 11-29-40 last season, can't crack this lineup, especially against a very offensively keen team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, where you know there's going to be a lot of back and forth tonight. They may need that extra firepower. Uh, but John Tortorella is saying today, they like the way the fourth line has worked. It, it's, it would be impossible to justify taking Hannah Kynan out of the lineup. Uh, his blown assignment in the third period, notwithstanding, it would be difficult to take Sedlak out as well as he has played. And so Bjorkson is going to have to wait his turn. He uh, Tortorella assured that he will play again obviously that they've not given up on him that they still expect him to have a big part in this season but they're going with their best 12 forwards tonight and that does not include Bjorkstrand um thoughts on this Tom Reed when you think of Bjorkstrand and that offensive pop what uh what comes to mind the fact that he's not playing tonight
2: well I think it's been just a season-long struggle for him to to just really get involved and when he's when he does get his chances, he's not hitting the net or not scoring. Uh, we, we've said on here a lot of times, no one expects him to be a, a strong checker, uh, per se. But, okay, if you're not doing that, what are you bringing to the table? And I don't, just don't think he's created a lot of chances. It's just too often the nights that he's in the lineup. I just think that he's he just has not found any kind of rhythm yet, as far as being noticeable and and really, like, oh, he almost scored there. You know, it's one thing if you're not scoring and you're getting chances and you're like, oh, man, this guy just has no puck luck. There's just, I think, too many nights, that would be my guess, is they look and say, I don't know what he's contributing right now. And I would agree with Torch. The fourth line played very well up until, uh, you know, the, the game-winning goal. I, I had no issue. Uh, there was an icing, obviously, that, that that led to the that faceoff. But uh, I thought their fourth line played very well.
1: Bjorkstrand, a guy who's typically played in the among the top nine, 19 games this year, 2-2-4, minus four, but only 30 shots on goal. So about one and a half shots on goal per game. The only guy that looks at that and goes, what, is Alexander Wenberg. Everybody else says, boy, that's not <laughs> enough shots. Um, what's missing from his game, Allison? Where's Oliver Bjorkstrand? Where's he at? What's missing?
3: yeah, you know I of course, started to look at things, um, not from some numbers perspective while Tom was Tom and you were talking. And what's interesting to me, to key off your comment of this is the best twelve forwards that they have right now, I also think there's a dynamic of in terms of the combinations they are using, right? I, mean, sure, I so sure. I think that what's what's interesting to me, I looked at so Bjorkstrand's first goal came in the game at Tampa Bay. And in that game, he was on a line with Boone Jenner and Riley Nash. Um, his only other goal came in Washington and that was a power play goal. So it's a, that's a different circumstance. But, you know, I, I think the Bjork strand is someone who's suffering a bit from where they're trying to fit him in from a combination perspective. And I think that is what limits. I mean, he, he's a, he's a smaller statured, smaller framed forward. And I don't know that that fourth line is the right fit for really allowing him to, to get his offensive expression going. So, for me, I think it's he's a victim of, of circumstance in terms of the combinations he's been able to play with. And, you know, it's, they've moved those lines around a bit. You know, it's if he's not with someone who can break up some space on the ice and, and draw some physicality away, I think that that causes his game to suffer.
1: Yeah, and I think Dubinsky moving to the wing has hurt him because that's taken probably the spot he would be in.
3: Right. Fair. Right. Totally.
1: And the arrival of Duclair and Duclair has had his ups and downs too, but he's got eight goals. I mean, you can't take eight goals out of the lineup. He's a power play guy as well. Um, he is a victim of circumstance. Right now, I, I don't, I, 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 I don't know where this is going. I wonder if, if he's a player with enough caliber around the league for GMs to sort of raise an eyebrow. I could see it, honestly, him way ahead of of uh, Sonny Milano in terms of movable parts here. So something to keep an eye on there. He does. It does feel a little bit like a square peg in a round hole, Tom. Would you agree? Well, yeah. I, you
2: know, yeah, I, I think Allison's onto something. But then again, you know, he was part of that line that Torch said, I can't play him together, right? I think that was that line. To, to yeah. Play. I mean, he Correct. said, I can't play these guys together. So that was like a third line. So... I, I think Allison's when she said you need somebody maybe with some weight on his line totally. and then maybe somebody with a little bit more skill, but right now you're not going to, you're not going to break up your, your top six, I don't think. And then it's just a matter of trying to find the right combination for him. And again, I think that the, the, the fourth line played pretty well the other, I think not has been playing well. So, you, you know, but it does, it, I will say this, it does kind of set off some alarm bells. Usually, Guys get back in the lineup after your team loses, right? Right. Uh, uh, so this is now, I think, his third healthy scratch. Two in of a the row. year. row. Yeah. Yeah, the year, yeah. yeah. And uh, so uh, we'll see where it goes. He's a good player. Uh, maybe, again, he's got to find the right spot. But, I think, again, when he gets back in, he has to be – I mean, if he's an offensive player, he's got to be more noticeably offensively. Yeah. We're not talking about checking or anything like that. He just has to be more involved offensively.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think they want him to be I think they want to see a level of compete that wasn't there early in the season.
2: Sure. Sure. That's fine. That's fair. Yeah.
1: Um, but you got to you have to produce if you're a guy that doesn't do right. the other stuff and you're that if you're the you know, the wide receiver's got to catch passes, not just run routes. Right. I mean, it, it comes down to that. Um, and, and I think they point often to Panarin and say, see, his body's not that different from yours. He's kind yeah. of built like you are. Be more like that, which uh-huh. may be an unfair <laughs> <Yeah>. comparison <laughs> I mean, yeah, for anybody. <laughs> right, right, right. You, yeah. you see the kid try to throw his, his weight around. Right. And you're like, boy, that just doesn't work at this level. And, and I sometimes worry but like, he's never been a, a, a type of player like that. Like, when they drafted Gilbert Brulé, and you're like, oh, my God, I saw the kid play in the Western Hockey League. He just killed people. And you're like, Boy, what's going to happen when he hits guys like that in the NHL, and they barely move? And we know what happened. It didn't. He couldn't play that style of game. So he had to sort of, re, sort of re-imagine himself as a player, and it never really worked out at the NHL level. Uh, Bjorkstrand's never been that sort of guy. But you wonder in what ways he can sort of adapt, if he can add weight and strength to be. But he's never going to be a guy that gives you something.
2: Other than goal scoring is my right. You know, yes. And you know what else he doesn't have? Not knocking the kid, but, but the one, the one other ingredient he doesn't have that some guys that size have is that blazing speed. They can just, you know, if the pucks into open space, And they're on it, it, right. There's those type of guys. And he doesn't quite have that either. He just has that wonderful wrist shot.
1: Oh yeah. and,
2: and it's just a matter of, and I know you've written about it, we've talked about it on this show. He's just not getting it though. And uh, so we'll see where, I, like you said, we'll see where it goes. I think the guy, and they're not,
1: I'm not comparing body styles or shapes here. I think the guy whose game he needs to model himself after more than Panarin, because that's probably unrealistic. For me, it's Cam Atkinson who has figured out, he was the guy who had a shot and loved to shoot, but had to figure out where to find bubbles and spaces on the ice to shoot that, for me, is what's missing from 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 Bjorkstrand's game. Is that fair, Allison?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, yes. Yes, and. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we see these guys out of their full uniforms, and, and Atkinson is also a player who's found a way to just make himself so solid physically, right? For sure, I mean, and yeah. so, so I think that lends itself to how Atkinson can play. Um, right, and, and really fast, too. Right, Right. And you know, it's But he he's more quick than fast too though, isn't he, Atkinson? Uh well, but he was one of the fast. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago the, the speed tests always came down to him and Calvert for bragging mm-hmm. rights. So, um not to say he isn't still fast, but you know, it's it's it, what's been interesting to me to watch and I get it is um that when Dubinsky came back, I get, you know, starting him lower in the lineup as he shakes the rust off. But we never saw the recreation of the Jenner Anderson Dubinsky line, which was no. which was so strong. And and here's why I bring this up is that I think we haven't seen Nick Felino with Bjorkstrand at all this year. No. And I think those two played quite a bit together last year. And that might be just the seasoning that Bjorkstrand might need. And and Felino was also one that when I was talking to him about Josh Anderson actually this week. Felino is one who likes to help his teammates play a little bit more like he does, and maybe that's something that could help Bjorkstrand too in terms of bringing a little bit more of that battle and that two-way sense to him. I mean, that's I'm all for shaking up lines because I'm not a coach and I don't have to <laughs> worry sure. about the
1: consequences. Right. It's easy, yeah. And I, I if I'm re- remembering correctly, it would be Wenberg between Felino and Bjorkstrand
3: most. Correct. Correct.
1: Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Who's had his own struggles. Yeah. Um, one, one guy, I th- we've talked about him before in this podcast. We may be talking about him a lot this year. It's certainly shaping up that year. Uh, maybe the best story on this team. Dubinsky's in the running for sure. Ryan Murray has, I, I think it's easy to forget where this kid was at at times last year. He's a former number two overall pick, so much has been expected of him. He was kind of not quite in Bjorkstrand land, although I do think there were times last year where he could play and, and did not play. He, he has really found his way here. Worenski taken a back, a step back. We've talked about that. We talked about the, the just unacceptable effort, frankly, from the Tavares goal at the end of the game in Toronto on Tuesday. Uh, sorry, Monday. But, um, Murray has just climbed his way up the depth chart and is playing next to Seth Jones, which is where he played when Jones first arrived in Columbus. But boy, does he look good up there. And it it feels like he's reached a new level of him. Yes, he stayed healthy. That's probably the number one thing to all of this. Um, but that what a story he is that he's played in every game and he's on the top pair. He's playing more minutes than he has in at least a few years. He's almost already caught last year's production um, for, I think he played almost 60 games last year. He's almost there already at, at 21 games. Um, what about this? What about this guy? And, and where do you see this going? Do you think he ends a season there with,
2: with Seth Jones in the top there? I'm starting to think he does. Tom What's that one. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I asked Schwartz about this right before the Toronto game, which seems like 100 years ago, but it was just on Monday. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, part of the, since you guys have really started playing well is when you change the, the defensive pairs. And he's really liked them. He's, he's liked the way that the guys have played together. Um, he, and he, you know, as always, he says, well, we'll see. We'll see how this game ends and we'll see where we are the next game. But I think he's been very happy with it. We've talked on this show before, Allison and I both. I love the guy's game. I, I really, I think it is made for today's NHL. Yep. He's a, he's a very, he's a, he's strong enough when he has to be. He's cerebral. He makes great passes. I, I, I really liked his game since I've seen him, since I've watched him. The question with is always been just, can he stay healthy? But when he's healthy and he's going, he's a good player. John Tavares was asked today about that pair. And, you know, usually you're going to say Seth Jones, Seth Jones, Seth Jones. He made a point to point out both of the guys and just how much he he likes his game uh, and how much he likes Murray's game. So, um, yeah, he's he's obviously being noticed around the league as well.
1: Yeah. And he is. um, I hope this is taken the right way. He is at times a thoroughly unnoticeable
2: player. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? No, he like, said that, that, that John, John Tavares said that as well. He said, there's times you don't notice him, but that's yeah, yeah. a good thing. That's a good right. thing.
1: But there's no big shot. Doesn't blow people up necessarily. He skates well, but he's he's not Eric Carlson, who is, but he's not like an off the chart skater. There's just an all around game there. And it's like every time he plays, we see it and you go, God, he is good. You know that. But is that why people don't It's the injuries? Yes, of course it is. But is that the part that stands out, I guess, if nothing can stand out, if if there being a collection of nothingness that stands out, is that what it is for you, Allison? Is there one aspect of this game where you go, wow, or is it a body of work thing?
3: Yeah, I mean, it, Brad Shaw said this when, and I had it in our article earlier uh, this season, Is he said, you know, the way that defensemen gain attention in this league is two things. They either have an incredible ability to score goals, they score the fancy flashy goals, or they do something big on the, on special teams. And yep, right. just as you said, Ryan Murray has neither of those things, but I, and I, I tell this story every time I talk about Ryan Murray, I will never forget when the jackets were, were running for the, for the postseason and he fed a pass to Ryan Johansson at home against yes. the coyotes that yes. I, my mouth dropped. And yes. Those those kind of plays do stand out to me, but I understand why they don't stand out to everyone. And I think that what he does, as we talked about with him before, is that, as Tom said, in today's NHL, a really high caliber defenseman doesn't just prevent offense from the other team. It prevents offense and then it starts to create offense for your own team going the other way. And Ryan Murray is just exceptional at that because of his vision, because of his skating, because of his passing. And I think what what might be hurting him a little bit is that, you know, I asked again, I asked Brad Shaw, I said, what did you know about Ryan Murray before you came to Columbus? And he said, not much except where he was drafted. And with the injuries and things, it's almost like maybe he's taken for granted. Right. Because, oh, a second a second overall pick. Eh, You should be good. Right. We don't we don't marvel perhaps as much as we should. And again, because of the inconsistency in his time on ice, but I, I think in terms of every single step that has to happen down the ice to get to the point of a goal, Ryan Murray is exceptional.
1: Yeah. It's funny. You go back to that draft. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the Oilers had the Oilers always had the number one pick Always, and they had the number one pick that year, of course. And they took Neil Yakupov and the blue jackets, I think the entire draft table had to pick papers off the floor because they exhaled uh, so, so intensely because they did not want Yakupov. And as we reported at the time for a previous publication, they would not have taken Yakupov even at number two. That's the year that when Murray fell to number two, the New York, (laughs) the New York Islanders said, take all of our picks.
3: Amazing all
1: of our picks for Ryan Murray and the blue Jack is like, what? No, no. Now there was a time where a good story would have been, Oh, let's go back through those Islanders picks and see who you could have had right. that year. If you had taken that, but now it's starting to look like Murray is living up to the billing of being the number two. And again, this is all about him staying healthy because literally every time he's played, you've gone, man, what a player, what a, just a really sound technical player. So, Hopefully, you know we we don't cheer for these guys or for these teams. We're not supposed to, but on a personal level, it's it's nice to see a guy who's been through hell with the injuries finally have a stretch where he's playing and thriving and able to show people the kind of player he is. And I don't, I don't think that amounts to cheering the press box. I think that's just a human thing. Yeah. Tom, you you mentioned uh, John Tavares earlier. I mean, there was lots written about him last summer when, when he made the move to Toronto and he was was sort of up for up for grabs. There's been a lot talked about here locally because his situation, at least this is where the Islanders were with John Tavares last year. It's where the Blue Jackets are with Panarin right now. What's he going to do? Where's he going to go? What are they going to do with him? Uh, it is different. Tavares was a lifelong Islander drafted by them, faced the franchise, uh, but I don't know that Tavares is mentioned enough in the top group of players, the Crosbys, Malkins, Ovechkins. I guess maybe he is, but he's usually on the the next tier. Give us an appreciation for this player. John Tortorella did uh, this morning. Uh, rarely speaks about players on the other side. Certainly won't do that with, with certain teams, Pittsburgh coming up. Um, but really, really showered Tavares in, in – in praise for a guy looking from the outside in. Um, I know you're high on Tavares' game from watching him uh, intently play against your Rangers through the years.
2: uh, To me, you know, I grew up in the era of of Ron Francis. I always thought Ron Francis and our former colleague, Mike uh, Ares, who covered Ron Francis, I think. But just to me, Ron Francis was one of the most underrated players, of course, who, who eventually became a Hall of Famer. And, right. and Tavares has played in all-star games, has played for Team Canada, part of Team Canada's golden generation. But he's never, as you as you pointed out, he's always kind of that second group of guys. And I think, you know, again, he, he wasn't probably not going to come to Columbus anyway, but uh, this gives him a, finally a chance to really show how good of a player he is on the biggest market in the NHL. And boy, has he done that. I think 14 goals, 12 assists. Don't forget, there have been, for a month, without Austin Matthews. And he has Correct. really, really taken off and shown his leadership and what a good player he is. It's just in such a good all-around player. Good good guy off the ice, good leader. Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, you hate sometimes, and of course the Blue Jacket fans are kind of going through this with Panarin right now, but Tavares needed to leave, I think. I think Tavares needed to get to a bigger stage because he's that good of a player. And I, I just don't think it was it was going to work there for the Islanders. Now he's finally getting showcased on a nightly basis. And to me, just one of the most complete players this league has had. Uh, again, not flashy. Uh, doesn't say anything that's flashy. Uh, very thoughtful quote. But you, I think you said it perfectly. I have a great appreciation for John Tavares' game. And for people that are going tonight, I, I think it'll be a packed house. And yet, you really haven't watched the, uh, an opponent a lot who is not Crosby or or Ovechkin or guys like that. Just watch the way John Tavares plays hockey; just a terrific player.
1: And, so, and to go back to the summer a little bit from the Blue Jackets' perspective, were they interested in John Tavares? Oh, hell yes, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, you have to be, and they were. And there were there was a um, an inquiry made to his group. We would love to put on a presentation for John Tavares. Uh, they were not one of the teams that Tavares came to and visited, but boy, you let, you plug Tavares into the mix here and you go, Ooh, Ooh, another oh. team. There's the team. And look at that one, two there in Toronto with Matthews Tavares. I mean, that yeah. is, that's stunning. Um, Allison, you see these guys as much as we do and you see them sometimes in a different light that uh, tell me your appreciation of John Tavares and what you, what you're looking forward to in seeing him tonight in person.
3: Yeah. I, you know, I, uh, I'm, of course, frantically trying to pull up some stuff here. But, you know, I, I think that what, what's happening with Tavares is, to expand on everything you guys have already said, is the perfect personification of what we hear from Torts at the end of every season of why the playoffs are so important. Because you don't know these guys. This is where guys right. make yeah, their yeah, name. Yeah. And, Good point. and, you know, as you guys were just saying, Toronto finally puts a big enough spotlight on him. And if if you are with Columbus and you're not getting into the playoffs, you just can't get as much national attention because there's what, 14 games a day sometimes, and people don't even know what's going on. So I think that, that as a personification of just that one more reason why postseason is so important um, is meaningful. But I, I really like the player. Obviously I think that something Tom spoke about so much last year is to your point, the one, two punch down the middle, just to to again highlight how important that strength is and when you're that strong in that position what your team can do um right I I really also liked and and Cordy you were there maybe I don't know if you want to expand on this also but you know Seth Jones was even eloquent on on Tavares today talking about how hard he is on the puck and that of course he has the offensive skill but it's Again, the comparison to a Crosby that both Jones and Torts made today of to to maintain possession in the most literal way <laughs> is is such a big key to his game.
1: Yeah. And you're you're right. I mean, it is the it's the postseason. I mean, yeah. it, that's what it is. It's how like Tom, you're saying some Toronto media members are like who is Cam Atkinson? Yeah. And he popped yeah. in a couple of goals and Cam said a 35 goal season. I may have another one here. Um, that's that's where the exposures and exposure comes from, and that's where the sort of the people measuring your game in terms of greatness happens. If you don't make the playoffs, you don't get that stage, and it's just starting for people around here. Um, so Blue Jackets tonight, Toronto. Blue Jackets tomorrow. It's the biggest game in the city tomorrow. People are going to be glued to their TVs. Blue Jackets up Penguins, and then a day a day off, and then at Detroit on. Monday. The Blue Jackets aren't practicing for like a week. It's crazy. There's so many games. Um, I don't even know what happens after Detroit on Monday. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, what's a good weekend? What's a good three-pack for these guys in terms of points? Does it take four to make you happy? Or is three a good stretch here for this, this group? Because, you know, we're looking at Detroit and going, might be the worst team in the league, but they're, they've been really good now for three weeks.
3: I think yeah. you need four. You
1: need four. I'm, I agree. Yeah. I, would I agree. Four points. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about Pittsburgh being just a, a rotten team that, that can't seem to get it together here. You know where I come in on this. Uh, do you think there's anything special tomorrow? Do the Blue Jackets help bring the Penguins out of their doldrums? Or is this bigger than just a a rivalry game against a non-rival? I just made a joke.
3: <laughs> I, I mean, the, the thing that's interesting about Pittsburgh is – I. I, I i don't, I mean they're two six and two in their last ten and you know it just got announced today that their number one goaltender is going to be out for a while so that doesn't help matters for them at all um which is why which is what lends itself to why I think the jackets need four is that you should beat this team tomorrow that's just yeah. you should
1: all right I'm gonna asked end this thing with an impossible question for either of you oh boy yeah. Allison, you spoke last, so I'll make Tom take this one first. Oh, God. If the Pittsburgh Penguins came to you with a really good, fair yeah. trade offer, would you trade them Sergei Bobrovsky?
2: Tom? Oh, it's... it's uh... <laughs> well, you're I thought you are thinking. Well, I, I, may, I may go with a coach... Can I go with a coach or general manager? I don't deal in hypotheticals.
1: Oh, for God's sakes! Uh, I only deal in hypotheticals.
2: Yeah, I know. Uh, would you? I, I would have to. I would have to. Well, again, he's a, he's a rental. Yeah, I mean, if they don't sign him, he's he's in the last year of his contract. It would have to be. What do what you? Oh, you can't only give me that part of the equation. Which what what is your idea is a fair? You're freaking impossible. Well, I'm just telling you. How can I? How can I say yes? I'll trade straight. Or, or Jack Johnson? Or, you know, what, what, no, I what, said I mean, fair. What is your Sydney Crosby? It's, it's, uh, if you're going you to have a hypothetical, you to have to the
1: question. Is this Mike Wagner on the phone
2: or is this Tom Reed? Kessel Tom.
1: for Bobrovsky, oh, straight come
3: up. You've got to come up with a, huh? Tom. Kessel for Bobrovsky, straight up.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not know i am you know what? I'm not even answering it. I, I'm oh not my gosh. it's
1: unbelievable.
2: I'm not I'm not biting that. I'm not I, biting yeah.
1: on that one. I never expected him to go towards Allison.
3: I would I would entertain quality, meaningful trade offers, yes.
1: No matter the team.
3: Sure. Because because for me, as I've said here's why. As I've said numerous times, one of the biggest parts of all of this for me is asset management. And yes to get the highest possible return has to be a huge factor in this for me. So I would listen. Sure.
2: I would say this. I don't think if you make that, any move like that right now, I would say you're kissing the playoffs. Goodbye. You're not making the playoffs this year. Yeah. I right. think that's how important Bobrovsky is to this team. And we all know, we all know the, his, the problems in the playoffs. But sure. like, I don't know if you're making the playoffs. As, as it's presently constituted right now unless you're getting a, a decent goalie somewhere back because that's just a lot to ask of Corposalo to carry you the rest of the way. And well, who's Now, who's now the guy you have who,
3: an opinion, Tom. Now you're full well, of All right, well, no, no, I'm just saying. But well, now
2: you've taken Pittsburgh out of the equation too. I, I'm just taking, you have to, there has to be a goaltender yeah. coming back somewhere.
3: Okay,
2: yeah. fair. That's fair. I mean, we've seen this team play really well here the last couple of weeks and why is it playing well? Well, there's a number of reasons, but a big part sure. of it is the oh, guy. in
1: No question. No question. And he's no, no, one's talking about Corp playing 40 games anymore. Right. All right. Here we go. Uh, Blue Jackets leafs tonight. Penguins tomorrow. Red Wings Monday. I'll be in Pittsburgh. Tommy will be in Detroit. Oh, uh, have a slice of little Caesars for us. If you would.
0: Absolutely. Uh, thanks
1: thanks for listening. I'll oh, have those pretzel nuggets with that awful cheese in the Pittsburgh press box. Mm,
2: oh, yeah. You, you'll have a plate full of them.
1: Oh, oh it's boy. just awful. But you can't say no. Uh, they do have RC Cole up there. Um, mm, that's yeah. fantastic. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. Lots to talk about Tuesday with three games in in the uh, next few days. So uh, enjoy yourselves. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you're able to avoid the malls for a few days here. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. For Allison Lucan, for Tom Reed, Aaron Portzine saying thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.